This episode is supported by IRL, an original podcast from Mozilla, made for people who are into or build AI and people who develop tech policies. Listen to Mozilla IRL wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. We should actually be calling this podcast Masters of Change, because mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what we're doing is expanding into the uncertainty of the future. Mm. Welcome to the pod this week. It's always great to have you. And of course, as always, I have my co-pilot, uh, Eric, in Cape Town. Uh, how are you, Eric? And how is summer going for you? Hey, dude. Uh, yeah, it's going really well. Uh, having said that, actually, now that I think of it, um, I've been really excited for summer, but it seems like my pro paddle career might be put on hold for a while. Uh, oh my God, all that work, Eric. I know, I know. The pro paddle. Listen, my, this is your life dream. What uh, the hell? I know, I know. I've played 200 games on, okay. on Playtomic, by the way. Uh, yeah, but I've been developing like this tennis elbow over the past few months. And it's gotten to the point now where I can't lift up heavy things. Uh, like I can't fully extend my elbow without being in severe pain. So I went to go see a Cairo yesterday for shockwave therapy. And I have to rest it now for like four weeks. So it's quite disappointing, but that's kind of where wow. I'm at. Yeah. What about all the sponsors? I know. What about I all know. the sponsors, the TV rights? I mean, I'm sure like, was it Nike after you to sponsor you? Like, I mean, there's a lot going on. I guess I'm going to have to come back to just doing keynotes, I guess. Unfortunately. That's <laughs> <laughs> in podcasts. <laughs> back, back to your normal life, Aaron. <laughs> uh, what's, what's, well, I'm uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. What's been happening for you? Uh, all good, thank you. I've just gotten back from Sri Lanka. I uh, had a fantastic time there with YPO. And um, next week I go to Miami. I'm doing a week with Tony Robbins and then to Costa Rica. And so, yes, the December holidays begin uh, in the next sort of 10 days Amazing. or so. Amazing. Really, really cannot wait. We'll be spending it in uh, Miami, Costa Rica, and Guatemala. <clears throat> so, nice new adventures. And new things looking forward to. Mm. So I'll be resting my elbow on your behalf, Eric. <laughs> so um, all our elbows will be nice and fresh for January. So you have all my elbow Thank power. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, okay. Tell me, how was Sri Lanka? Was that your, your wasn't your first time there? Hey? Well, I went there about ten years ago, and I got to tell you, it is a different city. You know, there's a new president over the last sort of uh, two years or so. And uh, he actually gave a talk at the event I was speaking at. <clears throat> he had a few more security bodyguards than I did, which was a bit weird. I thought I'd have the same as him. But, uh, he arrived at 16. I arrived at zero. Um, but really interesting, you know, spotless. Firstly, the city is spotless. They use the army to clean. So just okay. not one paper anywhere, which I thought was really a fantastic sort of sense of pride. Lots of new buildings, lots of new shopping centers, like, just growing and mm. just very impressive. You know, people were very, very confident. Um, I was obviously with YPO, which are very wealthy people, and they were very confident on the prime minister. He was very clear in what he wanted to do with the country. And, um, yeah, just very – I was very impressed. But, look, again, I saw a little bubble of Sri Lanka. You know, I, don't, yeah. I, mean, I didn't see the whole thing. I was there for three days. 
But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Very proactive, very optimistic, on the go, moving, and very clean. That was really what stood out for me. People were very proud, very polite, and very clean. So it was really mm. great. I, I was, I don't know, in my mind, I had this idea that it's very similar to Joburg, where you have um, opulence. Of course. And, mm, and right yes. next to it, you have the slums, right? But I don't know if it's like that. Um, yeah, again, I was, I guess, in the very like little bubble. So I didn't really mm. see that. But I imagine, of course, it must be. And when I yeah. did travel there 10 years ago, it was a much dirtier, much more underdeveloped. So in the last 10 years, it's really like found a, a sense of confidence, I imagine. Some of the people working there were telling me that people are, are very much an expression of island life, which is very chilled. So they're not very ambitious in many ways. So they're very relaxed mm. people, very sweet and very calm and very polite. And that was just, it was beautiful. But I didn't see that sort of disparity between wealth. But you're absolutely right. I would imagine all these developing countries have it, like Johannesburg, like um, India, you know, Sri Lanka. And like, yeah, it's like that. Cool. Well, listen, today we are talking about uh, one of our favorite topics to talk about, um, which, is, <laughs> which is almost the, the only topic to talk about um, as we find ourselves closing out 2023, which is the topic of artificial intelligence. And you were showing me a, a really cool tool and model just before we jumped on the call, which we're going to be talking about in a moment. Um, but before we get that to that, you know, there's been some big news in the world of AI this past week, uh, which is, of course, the news that Sam Altman founder and CEO of OpenAI, was fired mm -hmm. from OpenAI. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is... Ambush fired. I mean, like, ambush fired. Ambush from fired the by the board. Yeah, ambush fired. By yeah. the board. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, what a, what a ride it's been. You know, he gets fired. Then there's uh, negotiations to bring him back. So, like, I think it happens on, like, the Friday he's fired. Saturday and the Sunday they are in board meetings having sort of negotiations. And then by Monday morning they go, no, like, we're not bringing him back. And they also replaced the interim CEO who was uh, some Mira, Mira lady. lady, I think. Yeah. The CTO. Um, yeah. And they then, they then replaced her with the founder of Twitch, Twitch who's yeah, now CEO become Twitch. the CEO. And then, of course, like the most baller move of all is that Satya Nadella then says, well, we're going to bring Sam Altman and Greg, the other co-founder of OpenAI, into, um, into Microsoft to head up their AI research division. Yeah. I mean, like that, like must be one of the like CEO moves of the century. Like that dude is just, geez, what a smart, smart, smart thing to do. Well, well, let's step back a bit because again, this morning I read that he might be going back to open AI. Um, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. So we might, that, that might be the thing, but you know, the, something I read was he's been using Chinese intelligence data called D2 or DD2, which is double dragon two that he wasn't allowed to be using. And so what's happened apparently is that the Biden-Xi Jinping meeting, Xi Jinping was upset with the fact that OpenAI was using this data when they weren't allowed to use this data. From that meeting, apparently there was a trickle into the board, which immediately decided that from American intelligence and Chinese intelligence, Sam Altman is using a database of intelligence that's actually apparently 10 times bigger than Google. I mean, I can't imagine that, but anyway, this is what the article said, that he's been using it without letting the board know. And that is why the board fired him immediately because he's keeping that hush. Now, there was another email that came out that said, 
500 of the 700 staff members said, if the board doesn't resign immediately, we are all going with Sam Altman and Greg Brockman, whatever his name is, to uh, to 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 um, uh, Microsoft. Microsoft. Mm. Yeah. So um, there seems to be a lot of uh, funny stories going on. We actually have no idea what's going to be happening. I think the most important thing to do is just uh, buy Microsoft shares because this baller, yeah. Satya, <laughs> is just not stopping. He is a machine. And uh, I think Microsoft's going to start taking over, I don't know, all the, uh, uh, just a resurgence of power mm. that this guy has created. Uh, and he's done it with such elegant power. You know, I really am such a big fan of his. Yeah, me too. Me too. You know, um, I think what this has shown us again, because you're right, actually, like when you think of it, Sam Alton being ousted out of open AI, it should actually raise some concerns and some flags. Like, you know, when we had the whole Sam Bankman free uh, thing happen, he, it was FTX, right? That's the company yeah. that he ran. And it yeah. was this, I mean, he's just been sent to prison, I think. But he, it was this massive, massive scandal that he was involved in. And unfortunately, very often the leaders at the top end up acting in very unethical ways. But you can get away with it for much longer because these days your personal brand is so much stronger than the company brand. And so what's happened here is that Sam Altman gets fired, might be for very legitimate reasons, exactly what you just kind of mentioned. It might be for things that, is, that he's done that's been highly, highly unethical. But because that doesn't get announced with the release of, oh, he's being fired, what ends up trumping everything is his personal brand, which he has a lot of positive sentiment in the global community. And so, of course, everyone ends up rallying behind him. But it might have been a very different story if, if it came out, if the news came out at the same time that, oh, like, you know, he's done all these underhanded things. And when I was thinking about it, what stood out for me was two things. One is that this tweet started circulating, that open AI is nothing without its people. Um, and it's what you were saying, that everyone has sort of co-signed this thing that says if, if they, the board doesn't resign, then they'll also leave with Sam and them to Microsoft. But again, you know, like I think companies too often treat people as disposable, um, not realizing that like there's definitely been a bit of a shift in power that like, the people that work in companies have more power than before because their voice are heard through social media. Uh, but also we just shouldn't treat people like disposable in companies anyway. Um, and then the second thing is that like you should really endeavor to be the kind of leader that people want to rally behind the way they've rallied mm. behind Sam Alton. Yeah. Wow. That's really pretty yeah. incredible. Hey, that um, is really incredible what he's done there. Yeah, you're right. And, right. and I've been thinking, like, what, what is that? And I actually want to go do a bit of research more about his character and stuff. But I think two things that are, that are obvious is that, one, he's visionary. Like, he's, he's blazing a path forward. He's taking a risk. He's moving with all this new technology. Uh, I've heard him describe as, like, the Oppenheimer of our era. But then also, um, you know, when, when he was fired, I've seen so many, like, screenshots of kind of how humble he is. The fact that he's this, like, billionaire um, the running open AI, but like <laughs> when he meets with people, yeah, like yeah. He, he DMs them to say, thank you for your meeting. Thank you for your time. Like yeah. very sort of down to earth. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something that happens when you have someone who's very powerful, but also very relatable. Yeah, he is. Um, he seems like the kid next door. Yeah. You would never imagine he's, he's this multi-billionaire character with so much power. You yeah. Know? Um, two things I wanted to mention is that that is the exact same thing that's happening to the football world is that it's not so much Manchester United anymore. Now it's Cristiano Ronaldo. 
And it's not so much Barcelona, it's Messi. And so the personal brands are now stronger than team brands. And this is across the world, really. You know, if you think about it, we are much more engaged with humans than we are with the company. And that's because of social media, you know. So this is the exact same yeah. thing that Sam Altman's been able to do is develop that. But I just want to remind us that Sam Altman and look, I love words, right? And, and we both do. But, and I always like to stretch a word like imagination is I make magic. I, I, imagination, I magic notion. I make magic through my thoughts. But Sam Altman is Sam alternate to man. He's creating an AI system that's alternate to man. And I thought that was really a surname, a surname that was so like alternate to man, Sam Altman. Anyway, that is not what we're here to talk about. Um, we are here to talk about the AI opportunity radar. And this is really something that's uh, come to light for me because I ran a workshop with YPO in Sri Lanka around preparation for the future of AI. And I've developed a new keynote called the Human AI Symphony. And it's really about us understanding AI moving from a tool to a partner and from a curation partner to a creation partner. And so it's really a, a new relationship that we need to start developing with AI. So I'm going to jump straight in and uh, stop me at any time if you want to ask any questions. It's quite a lot for us to get through, but uh, I want to break it down. And the whole point of this is really for us to understand where are we aiming when we think about AI. That's, that's the real trick here because it's such a big tsunami. As an organizational leader, what am I using AI for? Do I understand its power? Where am I directing my energy when it comes to AI? And so it's this, it's this mix of trying to really laser in on what AI I'm using for what aspect of my business. <clears throat> and this is really the new talk and also the workshop that I'm giving. So first up, let's remember that social media was our first interaction with AI. It was almost like our first touch, first contact. And what it did was it curated information and entertainment for us to watch. There was AI behind it that would suggest to you YouTube, suggest to you TikTok, suggest to you Instagram. Now what's happened is we had second contact with AI. And in second contact with, with AI, we are now moving into a brand new relationship with AI where move, we're moving from machines, moving from what they can do for us to who they can be with us. And that's a huge shift. They're not so much these sort of tools, but now they're starting to become some type of partner. And we mustn't think of AI as a technology or a business trend. We need to think about it as a profound shift in our relationship between humans and machines. And so we've entered a new phase where we're moving into something called the intimacy economy, where we become intimately intertwined with AI. Now, let's remember we are intimately intertwined with our phones, with our electricity, with many things that we don't even think that we're intertwined with. This is the next level of intelligence that we're going to be becoming intertwined with. And this is called the intimacy economy that we're moving into. And let's remember that in the past, what we had to do is we had to learn their language, but now they're learning ours. So in the past, we used to have coders, we used to have DOS programmers, we used to have Python programmers, all these coders is we had to know the language of the AI, but now AI is learning our language. And so we're in a very different state now because now all of a sudden it's arrived and is, is engaging with us in a very intimate level. Now, 
we have to ask ourselves one big question. Is AI shaping us or are we shaping AI? And that's a, that's a question we need to ask because now it's become quite a symbiotic thing. It's like we're giving input into AI, but now AI is suggesting things to us. And so now this becomes a symbiotic dance between AI uh, shaping us or us shaping AI. And so the big, big question we need to ask as leaders is three big questions before we even kick off our AI discussion and strategy. One, are we defending our position uh, using AI? Are we extending our position and getting better at our core capabilities? Or are we upending the whole industry that we're working in? And so we often think about AI in terms of um, upending. So we must use AI because it's going to change the whole industry. Yes, we can. But the truth is, is we don't always have to be using it in defending, I mean, in upending. We can be defending, extending, or upending. And if we think about it, defending is just like, it's a small, quick win to make you more productive. You could be using Microsoft Pilot or something like that that helps you become more productive in many ways. But the truth is there's no barriers to entry and every company is going to be defending. So you're not making yourself stand out in any way by defending. What you could also do is extend. In other words, you could create a generative AI to augment, for example, financial advice where you could give that exact same advice that would be giving to billionaires, now everybody can get it. So what you're doing is you're using your data and actually accessing it in a different way to, to kind of give custom applications based on your skill set and your core capabilities. And then that's got a little bit more of a barrier because it costs money and you have to almost build a new team with new capabilities to do that. But uh, you will have a competitive, competitive uh, advantage over your competitors because you would be first out the gates doing this for now. But eventually, everybody will catch you. And the third thing is upend. Are you willing to sort of upend your organization and disrupt your whole industry? This is high risk, but incredibly high reward. And so there's, there's questions you need to ask behind upend, uh, extend, or defend is, what is your appetite as an organization? What are your capabilities inside your organization? And what are your ambitions as an organization? Because not all organizations have these ambitions. And maybe it's time for you to think about your capabilities in brand new ways before you even start the journey of extending, upending, or defending. Any questions before I carry on? Uh, no, just a few comments. So uh, I was watching a video yesterday, actually, and the guy was saying... I, I, I forget his exact words, but um, the sort of trend of it was that it's not that what holds adoption of technology back isn't the advancement of technology, it's the interface that we use. And so he was actually using the example that you just kind of got, went through that when computers just became available, the very first way that we interacted with, with computers was through binary code. And you needed to understand the mathematics of how to make that work in order to interact with the computer. Then we moved to this DOS-based system where you, you needed to learn a bit of code in order to make it work. Then we moved to a graphical user interface, which was, okay, now you could use your mouse and click around, and that completely changed how we interacted with computers. Um, and then now we at this natural language phase, which is going to completely and dramatically shift again um, the adoption and interaction with this tool, with this technology. And one of the things he spoke about was uh, 3D printing. And he was saying 3D printing, even though it's come a long way in its technology, 
is actually still quite complicated. But he says what's going to happen is that when AI and 3D printing starts coming together with an interface that is like mid-journey, is you are going to prompt it to say, listen, I want an IKEA cup. And it's just going to replicate. It's going to like design four you know, different pictures for you. You'll click on one, and it'll do all the analysis and work on its own to figure out how does it need to print this thing for you. And so he said every house will just have a replicator. That's what he called it. He didn't call it 3D print. He called it a replicator. And you'll be able to just replicate the things that you want based off your own designs very quickly without additional knowledge because the interface has changed. Um, there was one other thing that he also said that I thought found interesting. Um, oh, it's slipping my mind up, but I'll, if it comes back to me, I'll, I'll let you know. I recently listened to episode one of season seven of the IRL pod. And by now we all have this idea of what LLMs are. Things like GPT-4, Claude, Llama, Bard. And we love tinkering on it. We look at funny use cases like doing your homework, for example, using these large language models. But in this episode, they talk about how it could be used to create misinformation at scale when abused by what they called sophisticated threat agents. And it made me realize that we all need to be more sophisticated users of this tech. And it really starts by educating yourself on how it works. So search for Mozilla IRL in your podcast player or visit IRLpodcast.org. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Thank you to IRL for their support of this pod. As far as the replicator is concerned, one of the articles I read was about in the future, we'll have these uh, um, print shops, just like coffee shops. He says, you'll have your own coffee inside your house, which you'll have your own little replicator inside your house. But when you want bigger things sorted out, you'll go to your corner coffee shop or your corner print shop. So the logistics of having to get something won't be you ordering something from China, but actually printing at your corner shop if your print at home can't actually print it. Isn't but also, I did yeah. A, yeah, I did an event for Autodesk and they showed us that they can take the ergonomics of your body and print a chair, especially for you. So your body and my body, you know, you, you will be totally different chairs. So you will have a chair actually created for your body and printed accordingly. So not only will you have a replicator at home using this interface, it will be hyper-personalized to the mug that fits the way you like to hold it with your hand. So for example, with your dainty elbow, you would have a straw, right? So you wouldn't be able, you'd have to get, you know, like you'd have to get a, um, a, a sensitive elbow. Cup. I like it. I like it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes good yes, one. Good one. Yeah. Thank, you, um, thank you. So the, the other thing <laughs> that I was talking about, which uh, I've now remembered, yeah. is you were saying, so obviously like a big convergence with AI is also going to be the fact that we are wearing more tech. So we've seen this with yes. Humane AI, this pin that came out, but also yeah. like those Ray-Bans that with, that with Meta came out with are really cool. And so you're going to have a convergence of AI and that. And he was saying what's going to happen um, is there's a, you know, at some point we might not even have apps anymore because what's going to happen is all you'll have is a prompter and you'll prompt this thing to say, listen, I need X, Y, and Z. And because AI will be so advanced by then, it can almost uh, like compile the app for you to do that function, to do that job, and then just go away again. You don't need the app to stay and to be coded to exist all the time. It can almost on command form, do the task, and then go away again. So, um, yeah, so anyway, um, that's a bit of a tangent, but I, I just want to, to add in the idea that like how we adopt technology is because the interface, interface. changes. AI has been a, a, around for a long time, but the interface changes and now we can connect it in a different way. 
Well, another um, way to think about it is Spotify. The way we engage with music has changed. The way it suggests music has changed. And that's a yeah. very rudimentary AI for now, but it's changed totally how we engage with music. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah. Um, then just on your, so you said it's defending, extending, and upending. Um, the two thoughts I had on that was that I think most people, like unless you have deep pockets and, and lots of resources, you'll probably end up in the, the defending, extending, like parts yes. of this. Um, yes. And that's okay. Like, you know, we feel like we always have this, we must be the ones who innovate in big ways or, or whatever. Like very few companies actually radically do things differently. And the ones who do usually have big budgets, they've raised a lot of money. And so if you are in that, you know, if you start to think about how do I integrate AI, being in the defending and extending phase, I think is probably okay for most organizations. Um, and then the last thing that I just want to say is that as you were talking, what I kind of realized is that we went through this phase not too long ago where they said every company has to be a media company. Remember that? Yes, yes. And I think now we're getting to the stage where every company has to be an AI company. Yes, yes. It's like having electricity engage with your business. You know, you're going to have to have yeah. think about your business with electricity attached to it. Mm. Yeah, wow. I mean, talk about being at an inflection point in reality. Wow, yeah. Here we are, eh? sure. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Pleasure. So we're going to carry on and, and break down AI into two very big categories. And the first category is called everyday AI, and the other one's called game-changing AI. And again, this breaks down again this defending, extending, and uh, upending structure in a different way, um, but with more detail. Again, remember, the whole point of this uh, radar is to try and get leaders and business owners to figure out where they're aiming their focus their budgets and their capabilities. So the first one is everyday AI as a productivity partner, allowing us to do what we've already done faster and more efficiently. 70% of corporates plus minus will be using it for this exact reason. The second way is game-changing AI, which is not about us getting faster and better, but about creating whole new products and services, new business models, and even new industries. So I want you to think about this radar in a circle with four sections. And on the top of the circle, you have external. And at the bottom of the circle, you have internal. And on the left of the circle, you have everyday. And on the right side of the, of the circle, you have game changing. So if you can imagine the circle inside your head is you have external on top, internal at the bottom, everyday on the left, and game changing on the right. And what this opportunity radar says is which quarter of this circle are you going to be moving into? Are you going to be thinking about yourself in everyday external or game-changing external or everyday internal or game-changing internal? And I'm going to give you some examples so we can start to make sense of this. If we start at the bottom corner, left-hand side corner, it's got the internal everyday section. And this is all about your software engineers writing better code faster using AI or your analysis team really analyzing the data rather than gathering it. And we need to think about this as a drudge liberator. Are we liberating all the drudge in our work? There's a company in New Zealand called Yabble, and they've created a, um, uh, an app called Gen. And what it does, it takes all your data, and then you can ask it some very, very intelligent questions. For example, what will be our major growth drivers this quarter? And because you've 
created this software or this AI uh, partner called Yabel and Jen, it now spits out to you exactly what you should be doing as far as your sales processes are concerned. So just like making yourself a super, uh, super sort of efficient and productive in the back end. Now, if you go um, up, yeah. Would would chat GPT then also kind of fall into this, right? It's wherever we improve people and processes inside of a business. Yes. So if, if chat GPT makes you more productive, then it kind of falls into this everyday internal. Internal, project. yes. But more structured. Uh, right now it's not okay. that structured. So then you get the external everyday. And this is the top left-hand corner. And here you're thinking about how do you use AI to see patterns that you can't see that are facing outwards in your business. There's two examples here that I'm using in the talk. Is one is about the Californian firefighters where they were able to use and connect a thousand high-definition cameras around the region. And just by connecting them, they could start to spot smoke way before anybody else could. And they were able to stop 77 wildfires before there was even one new uh, 9-11 call, which I thought was incredible. We're using AI to, to pick up on these patterns. There's also a great Danish company called Be My Eyes. I'm sure you've seen them around social media where you can give a bit of your time and they can connect with you to tell them what, you, what they are seeing or what they're not seeing, what you could see for them on their phone. But now they've created something called Be My AI, and Be My AI is using an image-to-text generator uh, with ChatGPT4 that can look at your fridge and tell you what's in your fridge and what recipes you can cook and then guide you through the process of cutting and cooking and prepping using AI. So using AI is really an amazing thing to get your back office more efficient and your, your ability to see patterns that you couldn't see before uh, when it's a front-facing everyday sort of process. Any questions around that? So, so this is, um, well, uh, so everyday internal, you were saying that it's really optimizing people and process. Uh, everyday external then is more client facing or solution. Yes. But also, yeah, you, you're not, you're not moving out of the back office. Now you're going into the, into the front office and then you're saying, okay, how do I make it better for my clients? How do I make it better um, for them out there in the front, but it's still everyday stuff, right? It's not, you're not changing the game. You're not, you're not doing any of that as yet. Okay. Okay. But this is, um, so if you, if you enable your team, you're like your sales teams with an AI that helps them to, uh, better sell to clients yes. that counts as part of everyday external. Absolutely. Care. Because what you're doing is you are seeing yeah. patterns, your clients aren't seeing, advising them on things they haven't seen before. So yes, just like the firefighters, just like the blind people seeing and cooking, it's, it's exactly the same scenario. I mean, just think about that for a second, dude. Blind people using ChatGPT for no, that's, that's insane. That, that, that is an unbelievable, like you don't even have to get your eyes operated. You have a machine telling you what's, I mean, that is just phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal just on its own. Anyway, then we move, and it's important to realize that we're going to move from productivity, which is exactly what I've just taken you through, to creativity. And so creativity starts off with the bottom left corner, which is all about back office, um, sort of internal uh, uh, game-changing capabilities that you can start to think about. So for example, it takes big pharma 
years and years and billions of dollars to get to a point where they can launch four to five drugs in a year. We've now got a new company, a Hong Kong-based company, um, Pharma.ai. In fact, the company is called Insilico Medicine. And what they have done is they have able to use AI and in their second year of trade, they're able to launch nine new drugs into the, into the wow. world. They've doubled, and I think a fraction of the cost of like a Pfizer or any of them. So we're starting to see that your your core capabilities become much, much better um, in in, in utilizing AI. Now, I just want to remind everybody is that every single one of these skills, whether you're doing back office or front office or getting your core capabilities to be better, requires totally different skills. This is a a totally different set of people with a set of capabilities who understand um, AI and are able to apply it into these different sectors. And then the last sector is called the external game-changing sector. And this is really where you think about new products, new services, new business models in brand new ways. And one of the examples I've seen is Khan Academy, this free online educational platform. And what Khan Academy has done is They've created a virtual AI tutor that hints and guides rather than gives you an answer. So if you're studying um, radioactivity, you can talk directly with Marie Curie, or if you've just read or going through Lord of the Rings, you can talk directly to Gandalf. If you are going through World War II, you can talk directly to Winston Churchill and ask him any questions. And all of this is a combination of a tutor that's guiding you, but also having access to these intelligence, uh, these sort of, I guess, AI versions of these characters, bringing them to life. And But take this and extrapolate this into the future. You'll have a virtual reality world, a goggle, that you'll be able to engage with Gandhi will look super real in exactly the way Gandhi used to talk and have a conversation with Gandhi. Imagine... I mean, oh my God, this is just an unbelievable uh, ability to change the way we educate. And just think about what would you be like if you were at school having the access to this type of information? I mean, I wouldn't want to leave school. I guess, I guess we aren't left. We haven't left school in many ways because we learn to teach. And, but in this format is really great. So there's a couple of questions you need to ask yourself. And, and these are the questions if you're a leader in an organization or own a business is, what zones are you going to play in? Are you going to work in external or internal? Are you going to work into making yourself more efficient, creating better core capabilities, pushing yourself even further? The second question you need to ask yourself is, what is your appetite? What is your budget? What are your capabilities to want to do these sort of things? And then thirdly is, how big are you dreaming? And when you're able to answer those questions, then you can start to really fine tune which one of these sectors you're going to start to aim in at what capabilities you're going to hire to bring them in. And ultimately is hiring somebody from the outside that has an ability to have an objective viewpoint of your business to say, look, these are the directives you need to move into. These are the capabilities you need to have. So I think the idea of strategy and consultancy and any of these sort of things has shifted towards this radar of AI and really zoning in on it. I don't think anything is more important at this stage. And any strategy that you're trying to put into place without AI, a very strong push with AI, and combine that with a major shift in the awareness of your leadership to start to see these solutions ahead of you, every business will be challenged with this exact concept right now. So who are you hiring? 
who's going to be helping you and how are you going to be getting this to come into fruition? Yeah, I love it. So good. So, so good. Um, a few things. So, you know, we started off this episode by talking about open AI and the fact that uh, Sam Altman might be leaving, so might Greg Brockman, and we've seen this flurry of people all signing and saying, like, if they go, we go. And what has happened as a consequence of that is that there's this, like, I don't know how to explain it, like a, a firefight for who's going to get open AI people into their offices. And so I don't know if you've seen, but like Salesforce and NVIDIA and like everyone is trying to poach <laughs> open AI yeah. uh, researchers and developers. Why? Because of exactly what you're just saying is like, you need to get the right people into the business. And it strikes me that, you know, depending on the level that you're going to play at, you might be okay to do some of these things on your own, but there's going to be a certain level where you need to get the right people who have those capabilities and the understanding of AI to help you progress to that next level. Um, I, I think it's one step a little bit. There's, you need a chief future officer, or as I call myself, a chief of tomorrow officer. And then you need to start building the teams with new capabilities. Now, let's remember something is that taking your existing people and asking them to do this is the worst thing you could be doing because you're making them schizophrenic and fearful. You have to almost build brand new capabilities with new strategic processes. So when you're sitting in a boardroom and if you are sitting in an executive team, look around you and ask yourself, who's your chief of tomorrow? Who's your AI specialist? Who's your data science specialist? And who's your gaming specialist? If you don't have, and also remember, you can't bring an AI specialist and a data specialist in without a chief of tomorrow, because then what you're going to be doing is you're going to still be giving them strategic guidelines based on old ways of thinking. So you almost need to build a parallel business that looks at these four sectors and says, okay, what existing capabilities do we take on? What new capabilities do we take on? And what are we aiming at? Mm. Love that. And then the, the second thing I want to just say is that I think at this stage, um, anything is better than nothing, right? So like if you can just start optimizing your and augmenting your people by getting them to use chat GPT a little bit more regularly, that's already a, yes. a, a better win than doing nothing. Because even when I go through this quadrant, like these quadrants, you know, they, they well articulated, they clear, I understand how I need to play at these different levels as an organization and how I need to think about it as a leader. But it, it still feels big and daunting and it's still very unknown. And so I think even just the smallest bit of experimentation that you can encourage for people to go and just, just play with the toys, just play with the tools that are currently available. And there are so many, you know, we end up defaulting and talking about open AI all the time, but there are so many tools that are available at the moment just start playing with them and get a bit of a feel for it because one of the biggest challenges is that you don't always quite know what the application is going to look like and you aren't going to figure it out by just sitting down and thinking about it. You need to play with it. And as you play with it, the structure starts taking shape. I have a friend who's currently building an AI startup and when he like, so he sat me down the first time and he explained to me what, what he's trying to build and I kind of like, you know, glossed over and I was like, yeah, like that sounds good. But like, I, I really couldn't understand what he was trying to say. And I don't think he was understanding either, but he had this like vague idea. But then as he started playing with the tools and new capabilities became available and Microsoft released new updates and OpenAI released new updates and new things could talk to each other, it all started 
to take more shape, you know, and all of a sudden now he has something that is very cohesive, that makes more sense, that will have a market fit. But it started with, I don't actually know what the hell's going on here, but I need to start playing with it until I get to the point where I can see the connections. So, you know, when you look at this quadrant, it's well laid out, it's very clear, but just start, just start by playing with something and then, like, this starts making even more sense to you as you go on. Look, I think the, the analogy I have in mind is if you are unhealthy and overweight, it's daunting to go to the gym. It's daunting to take that first step. You don't know what it's going to be like. You know you've got an emotional relationship with food that you need to break. And so the, it's daunting. And, but you've got to start the journey. And if you think about your organization and your business, it's almost as if you're very, very well prepared for yesterday. And now to get prepared for tomorrow, it's a very, very difficult thing. And so the quadrant is just trying to give you some level of clarity of where to play, what's your appetite, but also important to realize that if you are playing a new game, you need to new, have new players. That's the key is that we can't have existing players trying to achieve this sort of level of um, efficiencies or cap core capabilities or upending uh, any sort of industry with existing skills. And I think by far these skills are becoming more and more necessary in the world. So if you're an employee somewhere, are you upskilling yourselves in AI? Are you doing any courses around that? You'll become more and more valuable as that sort of person, you know? So that's also key to take into account. Yeah. And upskilling here, you know, you could be highly skilled in generative AI without ever having to know how to code or how like all the AI stuff works, but you understand the tool. And I, and I think that's good enough. You know, like we've had, you know, if we, where did we start this conversation? You said that our first interaction really was with social media that was a, an AI interaction. And like you never had to know how to run a social media network. You never had to understand the mechanics of the, like, you know, the algorithm. All you needed to understand was, okay, here's this tool how do I apply this tool to reach more businesses, to interact with people, to network, to advertise my business? And so the, the mastery of the tool was good enough without understanding the underlying fundamentals of how this thing was built. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well said. You know, there was also the way I explain blockchain to my clients is stop trying to understand blockchain. You don't even understand electricity or the internet. Exactly. So we understand the applications on top of, I understand the toaster mm, yeah. and I understand the washing machine. I don't understand electricity. I still don't, to be honest with you, I still don't understand electricity. I, I, I mean, it's been explained to me 15 times. My brain's like, what? What do you mean ACDC? Like, I don't understand where that comes from. Like how, like what, ha what spark got it going and how the spark has not died. Again, it's, it's, it's weird to me. And then you ask yourself, what is the internet? Like, where did it come from? Where is it stored? How is it play? Like, I don't understand. I understand Facebook. Mm. So when it comes to AI, it's not so much about understanding AI. It's about the applications on top of AI and then becoming very, very good at the applications on top of AI. And that goes the same for blockchain and Web3 and all the rest of those things that everybody's trying to get their heads around. It's like, what is blockchain? Yes, well, it's a ledger that has all the app. I mean, who cares? Like, that's an irrelevant discussion. The yeah, discussion, yeah. how do we apply uh, um, applications and platforms on top of them. So this is exactly mm. the same thing here is that we mustn't get caught up in the science of AI as much as we must try to train ourselves in the understanding of what the applications look like. And now with GPTs, I mean, this is a voice activation. That's all it is really is how better can you be a prompt engineer and voice activate these things. So 
mad, exciting, Love it. and terrifying. All so in one so go. Good. So good. Listen, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think it was extremely valuable to look at AI through this lens. So thank you for bringing that to the pod. Um, we still have a few more episodes left for the year. So we have uh, a few interviews that we are doing and we have to do a word of the year reflection. Do you remember <laughs> Do you remember your word for the year, by the way? Because... <laughs> of course I do. Every year okay. I forgot it, but this year exactly. I remember. This year I remember. <laughs> why? Because it's part of my passwords, Eric. That's why I brought it into my daily rituals. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, that's very good. Um, all right. So we still have to do that. And then we'll replay some of our best episodes for the year uh, coming into December and into Jan as well. So we can also just kind of reflect on uh, some of the highlights from the year. Anything from your side? I've already got my word for 2024 and I'm already excited about it. So uh, I've already been thinking about it and I'm, 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 uh, I'm already starting to embody it, to be honest, and uh, really, really enjoying that. Good. Yes, it's been a fantastic year for um, uh, the expansive. Thank you for everybody for listening to us and the new listeners that have joined us. I uh, look forward to the next couple of episodes that we are recording. There's some really cool things that we're going to be going through. You're going to be taking us through a change um, Sort of like... I think that might actually only be next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I still need to do some work on it. Um, yeah, but I wanted to chat about some leadership lab stuff. I want to chat about some reflections, like how do we how do we have a good end of year reflection, things like nice. that. Okay, yeah. good. So we'll start off next year with change. Uh, I'm looking forward to that session because I think it's going to be really helpful to, to people. Just like every podcast, we're trying to be as helpful as possible as we learn yeah. uh, and then to teach. Some might be more helpful than others, depending on where you are in your life. But uh, thank you so much for all joining us on our modern radio station talk show. This is what it is, really, at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> if you've enjoyed this pod, please do share it. If you do require more clarification on how you are going about setting up your AI strategy. Please do get in touch with us. Uh, we are across all socials, as you know. And if you are wanting to give us a five-star rating, please do go ahead. Both Spotify and iTunes are now collecting it. Please do share this podcast as far and wide as you need it to. Until next time, ciao. Goodbye.